Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. You ready to podcast, Martin? I no. was Well, I wasn't born ready. That was I was about to lie to you. I am ready though. I currently. was born ready. Yeah? Yeah. See, I didn't know what podcasts were when I was born. The <laughs> doctor said, How didn't does even this know. baby have the voice of Howard Stern? I don't understand it. I think I think and they'll have some sort of internet based radio show. I will be seeking out a church. This is unnatural. I don't know what that means. You know what, Martin? The, so when we started the video version of this podcast, we made a commitment that the audio people would not miss out on anything, which is why we don't put in any graphics, we don't show B-roll, we don't have a Jamie to pull up any clips, but the audio audience, they're missing out today. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. Seriously. I see. YouTube. Please. I see. Look. Look at this mug. Oh no, the like lighting. The way I lit it is if I if I put it close enough to the camera. Yeah, it's like it, it's invisible. But just look enhance. At, look at the beauty. In, look at the zoom beauty. in in your browser. <laughs> I got this mug for Christmas. It's wonderful. It's a pretty good mug. Anna is the best fiance in the world. I don't think I've actually publicly stated that we are engaged now. Uh oh. So boom, there it is. And I'm editing this episode, so she probably won't even know that I said it on here. But I'm saying it. Because, yeah, we're going to get married. It's pretty dope. It's going to be great. Life is transitioning to a new stage. I mean, it always is, but this time it feels more obvious. It does, Yeah, it does feel a lot more obvious. Yeah. Uh, but you know what doesn't change? My ability to do smooth segues. Because guess what we're talking about today? What? Transitioning wow. and pivoting Look into at that. new phases of life it's, and work. It's like getting engaged to a new job. Mm, yeah. You're making yeah. a commitment. Perhaps I'll talk more about that at a different time. But you know what? It's, it's if anyone's business, it's mine and Anna's business mostly. That's so. That's I'll true. just say we're we're engaged, so I can be like she's my fiance and not have to make a big deal out of it. Boom! You've been saying that for over a year. This is true because everything was very obnoxious last year. Not a good <laughs> year. Yeah. Not a good year for that. Well, I think this is a better year. And just also. In general. I mean, I mean, for us, we also just don't really care about weddings that much. It's yeah. like the point was the commitment, and the commitment is now kind of already there. So we'll get to it. It's yeah. just not – it's not – when you've already been living with somebody for years, you, you obviously know it doesn't – it's not quite as hasty. Yeah, it's – It's still, it's still be, good, but it's not the same as if it would have been done yeah. like years ago. This would be an interesting discussion to have. Because I feel like you and I have the same view on this where I've had people who I've talked to in my family disagree. But for me, the asking was the most important thing. And then the wedding ceremony is still important, but it is of secondary importance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because me asking and her saying yes was like we were together alone making the commitment to each other. And that is like it's a bond between two people. Whereas the wedding ceremony is really about doing it in front of witnesses. Yeah. I, right? I, I mean, I feel like the average day after that is more, I'm more concerned with the marriage 
mm-hmm. than the than the wedding. But that's very true. You know, not that weddings can't be cool. Except for if I don't have like flame eating. Yeah, we've been busy. Hula hoop dancers that burst out of the wedding cake then cost twenty thousand dollars every ten minutes. Then the wedding is off. That's going to be cool. The inside of the cake will be caramelized. It will by, by the flaming. Have hula you ever hoops. had it? caramelized and sweat flavored inside well, a wedding cake the sweat evaporates from the fire oh that's true it leaves behind a salty brine that coats <laughs> <laughs> this is gross this is a cooking show this no it's is, not let's talk about careers yeah let's <laughs> move on to the next let's move on to the next topic bad cake all right to give everyone a preview for this episode we're going to talk about some considerations uh, a lot of these from our own experience uh, about transitioning from one type of career to another or moving within your same career field, but making a change. Everyone goes through, I think, at least the desire to make a change at some point, whether it's a major change, like a college major change, yeah. or maybe a major change, yeah. or you know, shifting careers once you've already started working, or just like you know, getting into a different subfield of your same field. Um, I want to talk about how to do this successfully. I want to talk about some of the pitfalls. And I think it would be quite thematic and also would be very good to inform the audience at the beginning of an episode. Uh, I think it would be good to talk about our upcoming shift slash pivot with regards to this podcast. Oh, yeah, there's a real pivot. I was just thinking, so to do this episode, are we about, we're going to quit everything, right? We're shutting down the business to change careers. Yeah. I'm starting a yoga uh, studio. But no, you're I'm right. very, there, there very is. inflexible. But <laughs> yeah, that's... It's going to be like elementary know. school when like the substitute teacher just wheels the TV card in and has Bill Nye yeah. teach you. It's going to be like that. It's going to be a I great will, idea. You will pay me $250 a month for me to play yoga with Adrian videos on a CRT TV in front of you. <laughs> Someone to do it. And I will sit um, there eating pizza like my high school wrestling coach did while we... <laughs> We're dying. In- Way to be a caricature. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's an actual pivot. I forgot. Yes. I forgot there was a legitimate example to use. Yeah. So we, we mentioned this at the tail end of our 2019 year in review episode. Yeah. But for the audience who hasn't heard this, at episode 300, we are going to end the College Info Geek podcast. Now, before you freak out. RIP. Before you freak out, we're still going to keep podcasting. I like podcasting. You and I have discussed it. It's fun. I here is my thoughts on like why we should end this podcast. I think people like for the most part the core audience they want to hang out with us. They might not necessarily talk care about what we're talking about. And if you look back at the last probably 100 episodes, I think I can think of two that were student specific. We have been not doing a lot of those in the, the latest season yeah. of College Info Geek podcast content because we're just drifting yep. further away. Mm-hmm. This in, is in a few days. I'm going to hit the very last year of my 20s. How much can I connect with? That's that's the thing, right? So there comes a point where you have kept doing something because that's the thing you do, and you need to continually justify why you're doing it. And I feel like doing it under this name is no longer justifiable. I mean, we could. I don't it's think just anything bad would come from it, but like it could be under a, like a much more descriptive moniker or a non-descriptive moniker, which would be better, I think. Because, yeah, yeah we're, on, we're 287 right now. Yeah. I can think of, I believe, the um, like 14 ways to spend your time in college or something like that. We, we did that maybe something. within the last 100. And then I know like 212 was, uh, you know, test tips, like for exams. 
other than that, we've done episodes on just general self-development. Uh, I, I know from reading the YouTube comments that we have a audience, an audience that spans a wide variety of ages and life stages. Um, yeah. I do want to give a shout out to our listener, Clay, who I believe comments on every single episode in the YouTube comments. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. What up? A Clay, I believe, is 70 years old. So, which I think, you know, we had a discussion in the comments That's dedication. recently where he, he kind of mentioned that he still thinks of himself as a student, and I do too. That's good. I'm a student of life, and I honestly believe I've learned more that I use in my work within the last couple of years than I ever learned in college or formal education. Yeah. Like, it's been like drinking from a fire hose ever since I hired Tony because we both just kind of feed off of each other's desire to learn and grow and, in my case, probably acquire way too much camera gear probably. <laughs> and then learn how to use that. Uh, but, hey, this camera, this set is so much better than it used to be, I think, because we've learned more about lighting. We've learned more about cameras and focusing and all kinds of cool stuff. Anyway, long story short, we're going to keep podcasting. We don't know what the name of the podcast is yet, but... I'm thinking it's going to be something where we have more flexibility to just kind of chat. Yeah. And the reason for this is, you know, sometimes we're going to want to review a book. But if if we say, hey, we're doing a book review podcast, now you and I are obligated to read the same book once a month or once every two weeks or something like that. And I don't know about you, but I, I typically don't read a book in a month, and I would not want to feel obligated to have the one book a month I do usually read be the same one that you want to read. Yeah, that would limit both of our choices. And yeah. Then, and then, like, if it's if we're busy for a month, and we, now the book is a chore mm-hmm. rather than just, hey, I read this really cool book. Let's talk about it. That's yeah, more organic to review a book that way, I think, than to try exactly. to scramble when we're busy to find a quick one. Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about, you know, like philosophy stuff. Uh, I would also love to have the occasional episode where like, hey, we both saw a movie that we thought was cool. Let's talk about that. So the sort of model that I'm thinking, and we haven't super hashed this out yet, but the sort of model that I'm thinking about using as a springboard is a podcast called Cortex, which I've been listening to for many, many years. Uh, It's CGP Grey and Mike Hurley. And that podcast, interestingly enough, started out as a sort of interview like Mike interviewing Gray about his productivity systems. And it was meant to be a 10 episode limited run podcast. But I think they're in the 80s or 90s now because they enjoyed it and they kept going. Uh, and it's it's kind of like what I just described. Sometimes they will talk about, uh, like if you know, WWDC is going on, they're going to talk about the new Apple type that came out. I don't think you care too much about tech, so we might not do that. But they'll do that or they'll talk about a book sometimes, or they'll talk about just something random that's interesting to them. And I like that kind of a format. Uh, the other reason that I think this is necessary for, for you and me both is that we're starting to do bigger projects that just take more time. Yeah. You know, the last video that we uh, were working on, we drove up to the mountains to film over two days, and Tony and I are still not done filming that. You going to go back up? No, we're we're not going to go back up. We have stuff here to film. Ah, I got you. There's like the the thematic on location mountain part of it, and then there's B roll about the subject matter that we have to film yeah. here. 
and we're filming most of our footage in raw now, which has a whole transcoding process. Like we've tried to adopt some of the workflow methodologies of bigger productions because we want to up our game on YouTube. And unfortunately, you can't do that while maintaining the same amount of rigor in the script writing process while retaining a somewhat regular publishing schedule and also do a well-researched podcast once every two weeks. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you could, but you would have no work-life balance. Um, and I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. Like Anna really wants me to not be working at nights and you know spending 10 or 12 hour days <laughs> working on the business because you know, like, yeah, at what point does that stop? And uh, I was watching a stream that Linus Sebastian did the other day because the Linus Tech Tips channel just recently passed 10 million subscribers. And th their 10 million nice. subscriber special was him getting on stream uh, under the title, I've been thinking of retiring. <laughs> he's just talking about, like, how he's, you know, had all these kind of, like, um, issues he's been working through, like, kind of, dealing with the fact that sometimes it seems pointless. Um, but one thing that really struck me is he was talking about how he's had these discussions with his wife where, you know, she would say like, when are you going to scale back to a somewhat normal working schedule and allow yourself time to spend with me and to spend with your kids? And he was talking about how like he would always sort of move the goalposts. I'll cut back when we have our first kid. I'll cut back when our first kid is old enough to understand that dad needs to be around. I'll cut back when our first kid is old enough that they need homework help, things like that. And he was saying, like, eventually I realized it's it's kind of a Walter White situation where at uh, first yeah. he's doing it because he needs to support his family, but eventually he realizes that he's doing it because he just likes it. and It's almost like an addiction. Um and, and when you get to that point, you have to make a conscious decision to limit yourself. And, and I know that I'm the same way. I don't know if you're quite the same way because you don't own the business, but I know that you have a lot of like art projects and stuff that can also. I certainly don't balance my life very well. <laughs> yeah. That, that is very much the same. Yep. <clears throat> so it, it comes to a point where it's like, I know there's going to be a certain subset of the audience that would love for us to podcast twice a week while also putting out daily videos. And you have to answer a question at some point. You have to look yourself in the mirror and say, who do I want to disappoint? Do I want to disappoint some people on the internet or do I want to disappoint the most important person in my life? Because there, there, there is no in-between where you're just never going to disappoint well, anybody. Okay. The real in-between is just kind of disappointing everyone, <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah. That's, that's worse because then you're disappointing and everybody's like, just make a decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're waffling and disappointing. Yeah. So we, we've talked in the past about the importance of building a, uh, you know, a solid center of your identity and what you want. Uh, and, and that comes into play here because you do need to take what other people say into consideration, but there's also like your own personal values that you have to query when determining your course of action. Uh, and for me, you know, that is number one, dedicating more time to the person who I love and who I'm eventually going to marry. Um, but also spending more of my work time on the projects that I think are going to be more impactful and that I think I'm going to be more satisfied and, and uh, fulfilled doing. Yeah. You know, and if I feel like I have to 
come up with a PowerPoint slide about test taking tips every week while I'm 30 years old. Like that's like we there's only so much that we haven't already said. Yeah. About those things. Yeah. So we're going to pivot. Um, We're going to do a new podcast. We may take a small break after this one ends and we're going to go to 300. So you guys got us until like June. Yeah. There are still quite a few because we're not doing weekly at this point. There's still quite a bit of time. So there'll be biweekly or twice a month. I don't know if it's It's something to that effect. Uh, Twice a month until 300, which I believe is in June. And then we'll most likely take a small break because I believe I'll be going to VidCon in June okay. and there may be, well, it's also summer, so I, I may try to get another vacation in around the summertime. Um, then we'll come back and it may be once a month, it may be bi-weekly, we'll see. There are workflow considerations and there are content considerations. If it is a question of, um, you know, we can we can build the set somehow that I don't have to set it up every time, which we do now because this is also our film set. Yeah. Uh, if we could get it somewhere else where it's just like we sit down and if the content is such that sometimes we do like a really prepped episode on a, a book or something, but then sometimes we're like, hey, how's that Star Wars movie? Then maybe we could do it every two weeks. Depends. Yeah. But I want to put more time into videos. Um, I want to put more time into music. And it, there's there's just necessary sacrifices. Uh, there are also considerations for moving into those new things as well so i guess with that let's let's start talking about the general process of pivoting to something you want to do that you're not currently doing and how to do it successfully because i think we've had several moves throughout our careers and the, the first one actually for both of us was moving away from our declared majors to doing this well not this to doing really blogging and yeah. I guess like web development for you. Yeah, because that wasn't explicitly what I was. But you were you were at first a, a network tech. That was your uh, associate's degree. That, yeah, I, I got my associate's degree in network, network administration, desktop support certification at the same time, basically just fixing computers and networks and, you know, being that hacker in the basement with the matrix screen. Mm-hmm. But, so I always wanted to be. Which is like, I've had my screen look like that. And it's it's cool looking, but I did not continue doing it forever, clearly, as I moved in toward web development and the blogging, the language stuff. And then this, yeah, which has moved me leagues away from everything I was technically <laughs> trained to do. Now you're like a the closest um, analogy from like the past century is you're like a radio host. Yeah, like that. Host. that's not what I majored in. <laughs> Yeah, kind of a crazy transition. And uh, I started the exact same way as you did. I wanted to be the dude in the basement with all the matrix monitors running the networks. And we had similar pivot paths. And that's a that's a trademark phrase now. It's a pivot you path. You got to pay me like a nickel every time you say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I also went from networking computer infrastructure to web development. But then that's where I think we kind of diverged for a while. And, and now we've sort of like started moving back in to doing some of the same things because we podcast together and I've, you've been in a video before. Uh, you were out on location filming with us a little bit. A little bit. I've been like... And like I've helped film before, so... Yeah. I've been toying with the idea of like asking if you want to get more into that. 
Oh, I'm totally down. I'm just bad. My sleep schedule needs fixed. That's you do need. That's the only reason schedule. that the first day didn't work out with the mountain because I I woke up and immediately passed back out. Did you know I'm writing a video about uh, how to get to bed on time? Like actually for real? Holy crap! I, yeah, I may see, put that in the title. <laughs> the problem is basically that. I messed it up real bad by staying up till four or something one night. And then since that point, I've not recovered. I keep, I'm getting better. Mm. I can wake up at like 530 now, okay. but it's very difficult still. So I got to keep going. <laughs> I'm getting there. You just got to get to bed at the right time. That's the big thing for me. Like I can force myself to get up at a certain time, but getting to bed on time, that's the harder well, thing. I, mean, I only just got smart enough to drink enough water in Colorado. Mm. You got to stay so. hydrated, especially if you go up to the mountains. Uh, I feel like, drier up there. and I feel like the problem that's kept me from this stuff is the same problem actually that would apply to a lot of people trying to switch careers, which is you're probably going to have to work toward that, you know, outside yeah. of your job, which you need to pay the bills. But I'm just constantly like scrambling to get the job done, my projects, like mm-hmm. you know, dishes and just household stuff. There are things in the house that I meant to fix like months ago, <laughs> and they just stay at the bottom of the list. Oh, dude, house house improvement projects? They just projects, stay there. They do just kind of stay there all the time. There's always something more urgent or more and, higher priority, Yeah, and, and there's got to be a way to balance that better because otherwise mm-hmm. I can't make progress toward the goals of just getting to bed on time yeah. the same way that I can't progress toward goals or somebody wouldn't be able to progress. And I mean, imagine if either one of us had kids. Then imagine trying to do all this stuff a on the side of too. Have, like have that's a that real up. thing. You, it's just... How does one even get time to work on any of these goals? Yeah. That's a super common thing in my comments. Like, there will always be somebody who's like, uh, all these productivity tips go out the window once you have kids. To which I say, I'm not a father, so maybe you know something I don't. Um, but I have heard from fathers that kids put you on a schedule. Actually, Paul Graham has an essay on this, on having kids, I believe it's called. And he talks about how he, he was afraid of having kids and... Uh, he thought it was he was going to become uncool because all parents are uncool. And now that he has kids, he's got some observations on it. But one of them was kids put you on a schedule, but you can use that to your advantage. And yes, you are going to have to temper your ambition a little bit because when you have kids, there is less time you have in the day yeah. and there is going to be a necessary reduction in the amount of work you can get done. But... I love I love this uh, this one sentence in easy in, in the article, and I'm gonna paraphrase it, but it was something along the lines of, um, you know, if your ambition was so weak that kids destroyed it, like, what was it worth having in the first place? Hmm. You know, That's- there's gonna be a necessary reduction in the amount of time you have to work on it, but. I've often found that uh, the amount of time I have to work on something scales uh, inversely with the amount of focus I have on it. <laughs> uh, like if you don't, like if you have twenty minutes to give something, you're gonna be really focused on it as yeah. opposed to yeah. And when when you're like, I'm gonna take today to, I'm gonna do this absurdly ambitious thing because yesterday I did this much in twenty minutes. Therefore, mathematically, with eight hours. Mm-hmm. here's what I can do. With eight hours, I will and, find something else to but do. But what's, what's actually going to happen is with eight hours, yeah, you're, you're going to like get distracted mm-hmm. or you're going to get too ambitious and scare yourself. With the 20 minutes, you probably get... I, I've been finding 40 minutes is about my best number for yeah. automatic. If I do this, I'm going to hit the flow state. I'm going to get good stuff done. 
and I'm going to maybe push past it a little bit because I'll be motivated yeah. and I'll leave feeling good. If I push that up too hard, too hard, I will get tired of it or I will never start because I'm like intimidated by the mm-hmm. schedule. And if it's too far below that, like 10 minutes, then I'm going to be like, it's going to take me like eight months to read this book. What's even the point of yeah. going at this rate? There's an analogy that I like to think of with regards to how much time you should build into a session. Uh, it's like picture a miner, like a like pickaxe like miner, like a gold miner, right? Well, it's, it's also going to be a kid now. It's, it is it's now a little a kid. kid working the mines. This is dark. With a pickaxe. It could be a kid. It could be a full-grown burly that, man. That kid's an entrepreneur. Either way, when you start digging, like say the first 10 feet of soil, there's not going to be anything in that. Nothing of value. You simply have to excavate that yeah, dirt just or, top or rock. Uh, the gemstones are deep within the mines. So the first 10 minutes or the first, you know, however, the first introductory stage of mining is just the warm-up. It's just clearing out the necessary detritus to get yourself to the position where you can start actually harvesting something of value. And I think about this with literally anything I'm doing. Like when I go for a run, I've got like a, right now, I think it's a six minute, 30 second first mile pace. But then... My second mile feels horrible, and I'm, I'm wheezing, I'm out of breath, I feel like I want to quit, I'm just like, I want to walk right now. And then around, like, once I hit the two-mile mark, I've noticed, at least right now, I hit a second wind, where my body's, like, finally warmed up, and I don't know what it is, but I feel, I, maybe it's that runner's high that people talk about. Huh. Where I'm like, I can keep moving and it doesn't feel like I'm going to fall over and die of a heart attack right now. Whereas it did during mile two. So if you stop during mile two, you're going to have a t- terrible Yeah, well, I mean, if I stop, that'd be fine. But well, I mean, yeah. if, if you stop when you feel terrible, you're only going to be yes. like, it only feels terrible. But I've learned like, I can, I can, you know, I can just basically sprint the first mile. Huh. And then I can, the second mile is going to suck. And maybe the second mile will suck less as my cardio gets better. Um, but once I get past that, like I kind of hit that second wind and then I'm in like the working territory. Um, and right now, like my, my only limitation with distance is my knee issue that I've had since I was 16 years old. So I can run probably about five miles before it's really painful. So I I don't think a a marathon is in the cards for me, but I can go out and do a five mile run and mile two sucks. But after that, I'm like, I'm working, uh, same with writing. The first 10 minutes of writing is useless. I'm oh just yeah! Like, what do I even write? Like, That's just like you're. I hate you're, this. You're, you're not focused. You're resi- you're, Your mind's resisting. Exactly. Like, Stop making me do my homework, Dad. It's almost like a, you are cat dog, right? Yeah. Like, like stick with me. Well, here. I've like, always thought li- that. I've always thought that I was. I've cat always dog thought as I was well, cat right? dog. <laughs> and uh, you know, like you're going down one path, but like you're the cat, right? And then the dog is like trying to claw out, and this guy's like. He's got his, like, paw hooked in the doorway. Yeah. I'm glad you understood I was the cat also. That's very accurate. We're both cat people. It's, they're great. But eventually, like, but it the cat claws its way into the mines, and now you're like, you're there. Okay? Then the resistance the resistance isn't as strong, because once you're already there, it's like, well, fine. Exactly. We're already here. There's really... It would be more effort to leave. Yeah. So when you're when you're committing yourself to a certain amount of practice per day, I think it's got to be at least 30 minutes. And that includes uh, working out too, you know, like right now I just did a, a 5k in 25 minutes. So I'm like, cool, if I'm going for a run, it needs to be about 25 minutes at least. 
Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to stop in that second mile before I hit the second wind, and it's going to suck. And I'm really not going to make that much progress. Um, so same with writing. Like Pomodoro technique, 25 minutes to start oh, writing, and then up. I will not take the first break. The Pomodoro yeah. technique with the 25 minutes is just to convince my brain that hey, this isn't too bad. It's 25 minutes. Just do it. Um, and usually around like 15, 20 minutes, I'm starting like, oh, hey, ideas are flowing. I'm going to skip that first break. I'm probably going to work for 50 minutes or an hour. Yeah. So basically, it's it's sounding like if one really doesn't have time, if they could at least set aside 25, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. that's at least enough to make progress yeah. towards stuff. Yep. It'll be slow progress if you've got a lot of other stuff going on, mm-hmm. and that's understandable. No one can really get in the way of that. Yeah. It's, uh, you, can't, you can't fix that. Mm-hmm. So here's how this ties into pivoting. To get on your pivot path, TM, register yep, TM. trademark, TM, copyright. Sending that in 2020. later today. Yeah. Patent number 9,206,477. In Cal Newport's book, uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You, he talks about how people often want to switch careers. And I think one of the examples was uh, this woman who, I don't remember what she was doing. It was some like financy thing. She wanted to be a yoga teacher and like open a yoga studio which is so different than what you're currently doing. And he talks about this concept of what's called career capital. If you want to move to a different career area, you need career capital to do it successfully. And that would include skills in the new area. That would include building a reputation in the new area. That would include having time to in having uh, money if you're going to start a business. Yeah. If you're an accountant, nobody knows that you teach yoga. You don't have any kind of yoga teaching certification. I don't know if those exist. You know, may- maybe all those yoga teachers out there are just like looked on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, Downward know. dog is just something that like some YouTuber made up actually. I don't know. There's probably some kind of certification out there. If you don't have enough money to open a studio and keep it running for six months, you know, there, there's a high likelihood of failure. Nobody knows that you're a yoga teacher. So you have to start building the skills, the notoriety, you have to start saving money for the transition, all these things. And that takes time and you have to do it intelligently. So the first thing is building the skills to do it. And most people have a lot of their time already blocked off with their current thing, whether it be your major in college or eight hours a day, rotting in your cubicle, listening to the last episode of the College of Book Geek podcast, yeah. which is a good cubicle rotting episode. But, you know, and that's how I felt when I was doing my internship. It's like, Every uh, every day during the work week, I'm here for eight hours or ten hours when I switch to the four ten schedule, and I got to do this cubicle work. I got to manage these network firewalls, but I don't want to be doing this anymore. I want to I want to write. I want to blog. You have to carve out time during your free time, and you have to honestly make a sacrifice in your work life balance if you want to start making a pivot, yeah, a transition, because most people. They get into a career that provides you with your resources for living, and then you use those resources to have some semblance of free time in life or to have kids or to do something, right? Well, if you want to transition, you're probably not going to be able to carve time out of your currently you know, obligated work time. So you have to find time to do it yeah. in your free time. And the ultimate goal is that eventually you would switch and you get that free time back. Mm-hmm. But And it's probably going to have to be significant, like we said. You can't find a diamond in like the initial five feet of the mine. 
So if you're like, and let's take a, a good uh, a friend of ours as an example. If you're you know working in IT and you want to be uh, an author, you got to come home every night and you need to write for at least an hour. At least. Or it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, and it might take years to both build up the skill to write at a professional level, but to also finish something that's worthy of being published. That's, see, that's the thing that I thought about a lot back when I was first getting into my uh, job after college, just because even if I do well at any of these goals, they will probably take years. College Info Geek took years before you could stop doing other things. This is our 10th so, year business. Yeah, that's crazy. And the Sorry, thing is... Ninth, we're, we're currently in the ninth year. Oh, okay, we're going to hit June 10 soon. June will be now. 10. Okay. Yes. That's, that's ridiculous. But like, if it's going to take years, even if I'm doing well, then I cannot afford to just say, I can only do this once every two weeks, because then it's going to take... Well, probably never, but if I just do some math and pretend it would work out that way, what, 10 years now? I don't have 10 years to do this once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. I want it sometime sooner than that. Yeah. So then if I'm going to have a full-time job, probably forever, maybe I'll retire someday, but I currently, I don't, I don't imagine that. That's not useful to me at the moment other than for saving. Yeah. So if I just assume I'm going to be busy for at least 40 hours every week forever, and I cannot currently find time outside of the 40 hours to make progress on something then that's never. Yeah. I'll, I'll never have the time. Mm-hmm. And the quicker you want it to happen, the more of your free time you're going to need to sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and of course, there, there are some things you can do to make that free time worth more, like learning how to work more efficiently, things like that. Yeah, that's where all the productivity hacks come into play. Is... Mm-hmm. But at a certain level, you kind of maxed out your productivity and it's like, cool, you want to do this quicker? You need to invest more time. Just like, hey, you want to buy a house quicker? Okay, you need to be setting aside more of your paycheck into your down payment fund, and yeah. you need to be buying less less tiny yep. <clears throat> or whatever you buy with your money that isn't saving for a house. Actually, partial to Corona. Because <laughs> it's cheap. That's fair. Well, there you go. That's how you buy a house. That's how you buy a house. You, you buy Corona. You can't be buying like, oh, my gang three philosophers craft like $12 for four bottles. Get out of here, hipster. Do you want a house? house. If you ever, Uh, even once, eat avocado toast, you will not purchase a home. I read that on MSNBC Money blog. Yeah, watch out. Millennials, they're never going to buy a home because they're eating avocado toast. You Uh, know how much that costs? Yep. So much It's definitely the enemy. Yeah. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Brilliant, which is a fantastic platform for anybody who wants to improve their mastery in the areas of math, science, and computer science. So if you are interested in STEM fields, Brilliant is going to be an excellent resource to check out. And the reason for that is that Brilliant is a beautiful complement to traditional educational material like textbooks and videos where you kind of sit there and passively learn. And this is because Brilliant is built upon a foundation of active learning and problem solving. Every single one of their courses guides you through storytelling problems, code writing challenges, all kinds of stuff that gets you really kind of 
actively getting your hands dirty and working and being really invested in the process as you learn. The great thing about this is when you learn actively, you retain the information a lot more quickly and a lot more effectively. And you also stay more interested as you're doing it. Now, when you get into Brilliant, you're gonna find an in-depth library of more than 60 different courses. They have an entire math suite ranging from the basics of number theory and algebra to calculus and math for trading and finance, uh, probability, statistics, all kinds of stuff. Um, their math offering is huge. They also have tons of science courses, a gravitational physics course, a classical mechanics course, one on waves and light, and computer science courses. They have a Python programming course, and they also have a lot of very fundamental computer science. And this is really important if you want to be a programmer who can kind of uh, outcompete the people who just learned the syntax of programming languages. When you learn how algorithms actually work, for example, you know, what kind of sort is the fastest sort, like a bubble sort, or um, that's the only sort that I could think of right now because I'm not a computer scientist. Well, then of your list, that's the one. <laughs> insertion sort, that's another <laughs> one, right? Uh, I think insertion sort is generally um, more efficient than bubble sort. And you're gonna learn about things like the, you know, N notation for sort efficiency, things like that. These are very important concepts for understanding why you would write a program in a certain way. And if you as a programmer can write a faster, more efficient, more secure program than the next guy, you're gonna get the job. So Brilliance Library has all those courses, but they also have a feature called daily challenges where every day you get a new challenge in a different area that can number one, help you to make problem solving and learning a daily habit, which helps you become a better problem solver overall, but also could expose you to a new subject area that you hadn't considered before. And when you learn in a wide variety of areas, you gain this vast library of knowledge, which you can pull from, you can pull from all sorts of different areas, combine what you know, and either creatively solve problems that other people People can't solve or be innovative, create things that people haven't seen before. So if you want to get started, you can start for free today by going over to brilliant.org slash college info geek and signing up. And with their free plan, you get access to those daily challenges every single day. And with their premium plan, you get access to that full library of in-depth courses, plus the entire archive of every daily challenge that has come out in the past. And if you're one of the first 200 people to go to brilliant.org slash college info geek and sign up, you're going to get 20% off that annual premium subscription. So big thanks to Brilliant as always for sponsoring this episode and being a huge supporter of College Info Geek and all the work that we do here. And also another thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, which is Skillshare. Skillshare is a fantastic learning library for anybody who wants to boost their creative abilities, their skills, and their job prospects. So if you want to learn video editing, if you want to learn graphic design, if you want to learn illustration, if you want to learn music production, the business skills, man, you know, marketing, analytics, all that kind of stuff, Skillshare is a fantastic resource. And every time I do have Skillshare ad, I have a course to plug, but in January, I have to plug my own course. I know it's a little bit selfish, it's fine, but I have a brand new course that came out on January 1st, all about how to build strong habits. So if you're the kind of person who either has trouble sticking to habits over the long term or just doesn't really know what kind of habits you wanna build, I think you're gonna get a lot out of this course. It goes through the process of determining your goals, narrowing them down and figuring out which ones are truly important to focus on right now if you have a bunch, or figuring out what goals you should focus on if you're kind of listless right now and don't know what to do. And then from there, it goes into the process of 
breaking your goals down into actionable sub-steps that you can turn into habits and that allow you to make concrete practice every single day. And we also talk about how to actually stick to those habits. We talk about some apps and some methods that you can use to augment your own self-discipline and to help it grow and strengthen over time. Additionally, I have another course on Skillshare all about productivity systems. So if you want to figure out how to make your to-do list, your note-taking system, your calendar, all these different tools that we use, if you want to learn how to make them work harmoniously, that course is available as well. And the best part is that, number one, Skillshare is already a very affordable platform. Their plans start at less than uh, 10 bucks a month. But if you were one of the first 500 people to go over to Skillshare.com slash geek and sign up, you're going to get a two-month free trial with unlimited access to their entire library of thousands of different classes. So in addition to being able to take you know any graphic design course you want, any um, you know, any video editing class that you want. You'll also be able to take both of my classes as long as you take them both within that first two months. You can do that for free. And again, once that trial's up, Skillshare is an incredibly affordable platform. So once again, skillshare.com slash geek. If you're one of the first 500 people to use that link and sign up, you're gonna get a two-month free trial. Big thanks as always to Skillshare once again for sponsoring this podcast and being a huge supporter of my show and also partnering with me to build these courses and make them generally excellent. So check it out and let's get back into the episode. All right. So I want to talk about some transitions that I've made, some of the things that I have done. Um, and there are some other points I kind of want to hit while telling these stories, because there is the, I think the most obvious aspect of it where, yeah, you got to put in time during your free time. Yeah. But there's some other things like, how do you start to build relationships in this new area? Yeah, you need to do the networking and ahead of this time. This is something you're thinking about and you've mentioned it. Like, I want oh, to start I'm building some relationships it. in the indie game dev world, but I'm not in that world right now. So how do I do that without just like looking like a fan? And, and keep in mind the whole the whole time, anytime I say networking, I mean making friends with people because shallow networking will probably be seen through by yeah. I don't if, especially if you're trying to get into an earnest industry, like I'm interested in cool indie game stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the people in that industry probably like what they're doing and would notice if I was just a shallow, yeah, give me a job kind of person. Maybe certain jobs wouldn't care if you were shallowly networking, but mm-hmm. it's. There are probably harder where and like it's shallow networking. That would be just fine, day. but but I don't like it. No, I think that it's harder and more rewarding mm-hmm. to be slowly making real connections in these places. But you got to do that way ahead of time. You can't just quit your career and then be like, okay, I'm gonna go become best friends with yeah this person in this new industry today, or else I'm gonna have to call my landlord. Well, I think it's also useful to analyze your motivations and ask yourself like, what truly makes me happy right now. Because, you know, we can think about a, a, p- a pivot, right? So let's just take one that I want to do. I want to get more into music. And you might think of the first thing that comes to your mind is like my motivation for doing that. I want to be a freaking rock star, man. I'll yeah. Be up on stage. There's like haze all around me. There's like thousands of screaming fans. But when I really think about like my day-to-day experience and what makes it happier, it's not going to be that. You know, that might be a fun like highlight. But what, what I really enjoy is making music, which I currently can do without being a full-time rock star, but also being friends with people who are into that kind of stuff. Like, I really enjoy that. So I never want to approach networking purely from a professional standpoint because that is incongruent with my desire to build true friendships with people who also like playing music. Yeah. I would rather go at it from the, hey, let's be friends, and also, you know, what can we do to help each other out professionally? Um, 
like I recently started a little Slack group for a, a few YouTubers who are doing like a similar similar stuff to me. And, you know, there's there's going to be professional reasons why that will be beneficial, but the best part of it is that we just kind of like talk together, you know, and just like make jokes and yeah, you know, we we're all kind of into the same stuff, so the conversations are great. And that's that's my motivation. It's always been my motivation. Like, how do I become friends with these people who are doing the kind of stuff I want to do? Because they're awesome. You know, I look up to them. And I would like to be friends with them. Um, anyway, so yeah, I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about how do you start branding yourself in this new area without making an incredibly jarring transition that alienates the people who already know you as one thing and completely falls on its face for the new thing because tomorrow I have all the ability in the world to change my Instagram, my Twitter, my YouTube to total music. Yeah. It would be easy. Like get a picture of me with a guitar, throw that as my profile picture. All my bios now say like professional rock star, turn it up to 11 man. And yeah, I delete change, all my change videos. Your, your username. It's now unrecognizable. <laughs> it's a, it's like a band yeah. name. So everybody who follows me for productivity, they're going to be like, what the heck? Like, I, number one, I liked what you were doing, and now I'm kind of like pissed that you're not doing it anymore. And then, um, you know, people who I would want to attract in the music world, they're like, who the heck are you? You look like a poser. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what have you done? <laughs> so if you just try to make this gigantic branding change overnight, it's going to fall flat on its face in more ways than one. So how do you start transitioning there? Um, and let me just talk about music. So this is the one where uh, where I'm like currently doing some things, trying some things out. Uh, I'm actually writing a talk about this, which the talk itself is part of the strategy. Ah, <laughs> real meta. I'm, I'm, I'm writing a talk about how to transition to a new industry from your current one. And I'm going to use this as an example, which will let some people know that I'm starting to move into this new industry yeah. while also giving a talk about productivity and self-development. Uh, it's right and there. I've always it's right thought in that about Venn like diagram. the two birds with one stone thing, you know, and it's like two gummy birds because I don't want to go out and shoot yeah, birds. You got to feed feed two birds with one yes, stone. Yes, with one stone. No scone. Bird, Make it a scone. Two birds. These with are one scone. Like British birds. Oh, they're they're hungry for fancy. for scones. I didn't see pigeons eating. That's scones. British, right? I don't care. Moving on. I don't know. I don't. It's good. I always assume most baked. The birds goods like come scones. The birds like scones. That's all we need to know right now. The birds do like scones. They're very good. But yeah, that's actually a really good right in the middle of that Venn diagram. Mm -hmm. So here's something I noticed a long time ago. Unless you are a, I keep using a when I should use an, unless you are an A-list celebrity, unless you are Chris Hemsworth or Scarlett Johansson, a movie star, or um, Rihanna, Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, somebody like that, unless you're somebody at that level, if you have some level of like minor fame or influence, like I do, you have to eventually learn that that influence applies to a narrow band of things. Yeah. If you want to remain influential, you kind of have to stay in your lane. Like Chris Hemsworth, he can be Thor, and then he can put out a fitness app, and that's going to do well, and he could probably start like a uh, lego review set channel on youtube and that would do incredibly well and people would be like did you know that uh, 1996 star wars death star was actually way better than the re-release in 2013 
because the plastic injection molding was so much better. You know, Chris Hemsworth told me that. Wow. And everybody knows. Chris knows Legos. That would. That's his new channel. Chris he knows should, Legos. You should do that. That'd be cool. <laughs> See, I'd watch it. There you go, I'm Chris. Already There's on board. an idea, right? He's an A-list. If I go to tomorrow and I'm like, Lego channel, some people are going to follow it, but very few. <laughs> and I, so here's my real, ob- here's, here's my real world observation on this. If I tweet like a productivity quote, you know, <clears throat> all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit alone quietly in a room. Blaise Pascal. 500 likes on Twitter, 426 retweets. Everyone's like, yeah, man, you're right. Like productivity. Yeah. If I'm like, hey, guys, this new Hands Like Houses song is pretty cool. One like. Nobody yeah. cares about my taste in music. Doesn't matter if I have 42,000 followers. Doesn't matter if my engagement is usually pretty high. My influence does not exist in the sphere of music curation. Yeah. Except. Turns out it does. In one certain way. I'm the study, productivity, academic success YouTuber. So, for the past probably five or six years, I've been building the Ultimate Study Music Playlist. And at first, it was just because I I wanted to build the Ultimate Study Music Playlist. And, you know, if I'm honest with myself, that's still basically my main motivation for doing it. I'm like, I, I like finding new study music. I'm always listening to music while I work. I'm just not a person who works or reads or studies in silence. That's not me. But it eventually occurred to me. There's people commenting below these study music tracks on YouTube saying, hey, Thomas Frank sent me here. Anybody here from Thomas Frank? Anybody here listening to Thomas Frank's YouTube playlist? Like, hmm, I have unwittingly built up somewhat of a reputation and audience as a music curator in a very specific type of music, music that you can study to. I wonder if I could do something with this. So my first two tracks that exist on my music channel are instrumental tracks that I designed specifically to be usable as study (laughs) music because then I was able to drop them in and start to give people a little bit of a taste of, hey, I like to make music. And this music exists in an area where I currently have some influence. It fits on my playlists. And if you know anything about the music industry, playlist uh, placements are huge, which I've learned because I eventually ported my study music playlist from YouTube over to Spotify, started building that up. um, And now every single day, I get at least two people emailing me, either record label execs, or not execs, but like record label reps or independent artists being like, hey, can you put my track in your playlist? And 99 times out of 100, they're not even sending me study music. Like, yo, my my name's Krispy Kreme, and I'm a rapper from Long Island, and I got a new track. Like, it's called Krispy Kreme Donuts and Bring It Back the Hip Hop Game. You want to put it on your study music playlist? No. You can't study that. I mean, maybe some people can, but. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, I respect the hustle. You're shooting your shot. Yeah, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Michael Scott said that. But it doesn't fit. Anyway, I found myself unwittingly becoming one of those like playlist curators with some amount of influence given the amount of unsolicited email submissions I'm getting. Uh, But I realized like this is how you transition. You find something where there is an intersection between the audiences 
or at least between the two fields, the first one that you are currently in and the one that you're trying to transition to. So the next track I have coming out is not study music at all. It's like a post-hardcore rock song that I'm working on. Uh, so here's my thought with that. And I had this thought in the car the other day. What if I went back into the studio and did a reimagined instrumental version of that track that releases on the same day as the real one? Then I can put that one on my study music playlists where I have influence and hopefully get a few people curious enough to go over to my profile and check out the real version. Otherwise, I really got nothing. I mean, I can like I can do the typical hustle stuff, but I can't parlay my current influence, my current skills, anything into this because it's just so different. So this is how I think strategically about pivoting to a new area. How can I use my current audience, my current skills, my current relationships in a way that can kind of organically include the new thing that I want to do without it being jarring or without it feeling forced? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. That's you a know? pretty good strategy. And I think there are other there are other um, avenues that we can go through as well. Like music is a very good example for many of the productivity concepts that we talk about and teach on my channel. So we could often be like, hey, you know, how do you do deliberate practice? Well, let me show you in the context of guitar. By the way, I make music. Check it out over here. Yeah. You know, find ways to do that. Um, another thing that I'm working on doing is, again, I want to build relationships with people who are musicians. And one of the things like I think people struggle with with building relationships is if you come at it from a pure friend angle, people are usually too busy, especially if it's like people who are kind of well-known. Um, you know, one way that I've always said to sort of not really get around that, but deal with that is don't be afraid to talk with people who are at your own level. You know, when I, when I go to conferences, it's always like a million people lining up to talk to the one dude who's swamped the tension. And I'm like, the, the person right next to you probably knows so much and it would be great to talk to you. So why don't you do that? Um, but one thing that I've been doing is building this series called How They Work, where I'll go in and interview somebody about the methods they use, the tools they use, how they get things done, their workflow, and put it on the channel. And that's actually you know very enticing for people. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I could do that with like a band that I really look up to. That might be a way where they'd be willing to talk to me. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe this seems, I don't know, maybe this seems like unrelatable to people who don't have a YouTube channel. But there were ways that I did this when I was much, much smaller as well. You know, I, I like a little blog. Actually, I remember this. When College Info Geek was so tiny as to be basically inconsequential, I still reached out to Gears for Breakfast, the people who made Hat in Time, uh, yeah. and I was able to interview them about game development. And I wrote up this whole interview for them. I mean, it wasn't a big blog at all, but I was like, hey, I have this blog for college students. A lot of students are into game development. You guys are doing an awesome game that I really want to play. I'm super excited about it. I would like to interview you about how you are making this game, you know, and they were happy to talk to me. Yeah. And fortunately, this particular thing, the College Info Geek as a whole, very flexible. <laughs> it did. It did. It does turn out you can, to be You can flexible. overlap it with lots of things. Yeah. Uh, okay. So here's another example. Well, dang it. College Info Geek is just like, it's got its fingers in all of my life areas for moving to the blogging thing in my internship, my internship was dealing with firewall settings 
but there was a there was like a call that went out to the intern group, and they were like, "Hey, we want we're gonna, we want to have some interns volunteer for this intern committee that will be tasked with like doing things to kind of like show what the intern experience is like." So I volunteered for that, and when we got together as a group, they were like, "Hey, what can we do to do this?" And uh, one of the ideas was let's do a blog series, kind of like chronicling the experience of different interns. And it just so happened that I was already doing that on College Info Geek for myself. Yeah. I had a series called The Internship Experience. And I'm like, hey, I have this little tiny blog. Like, do y'all want to just do it on that? And they said yes. So I was able to actually use some of my work time to keep building College Info Geek and also share it with some of the people at my job. And then they were sharing it. Like I had two other interns who were writing about their experiences and then they were sharing the articles oh, yeah, on yeah. my site. That makes sense. You know, this is pretty cool. So yeah, I'm curious about, about you. You've been thinking about some game development stuff. I have been. And I, you know, I've tried, I've done several different things, largely through weird, weird little overlaps. Like I started blogging at one point and then built my own website, mm -hmm. overlapped that, started becoming a web developer in general, then did yours and then went to a web development job. And then when I couldn't do that because of my hands, came back to work with you more because I had already overlapped and, you know, I'd been working with you already due to the other thing. Then we did podcasting, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm doing photography, which is like, I don't, I don't have a huge social media following or anything, yeah. but photography is definitely the thing that I have the most feedback or anything for mm -hmm. online. So actually, your your case might be more relatable then, so because your social media following is not gigantic. It's not it's not huge. It's also not related. I don't post things productivity wise. Yeah, like every time. So like if I get followers from a podcast episode or something, eventually I'll see a few numbers just just drop in a few days, and I'm just assuming ah they figured out what I actually post about, mm -hmm. not what they thought it was going to be. So there's a little bit less of an overlap. But if I start with the fact that I've been slowly building up a following for primarily nature photography, not always, and in order to go into other things, I've been kind of trying to sort of sprinkle in bits of other things. Every once in a while, a, pi a pixel art piece. Every once in a while, some piano, the other stuff I'm doing. While at the same time knowing very well that if I posted pixel art every day for a week, it would probably be incredibly jarring. Yeah. So right now... Hey, I got, guys, I'm a pixel artist now. Yeah, I got to be like photographer who's still doing that because that's what you're here for. Mm -hmm. But then every once in a while, I'm just like, hey, look, something different. And then it's exciting. But if I do it too many times in a row, it's not exciting. It's just confusing. Yeah. And I've been trying to make connections through that. And then um, I learned about the pixel art stuff through that Pixel Pete video, mm -hmm. which we then talked about in that video of yours. And then... He ended up putting a clip of us in his own video. So Oh, that's true. There you go. So now you have a there's little bit just, of exposure always to the game development community. A little bit at a time. And I think patience has really been the key here because I'm not trying yeah. too hard to push into any of these things at the moment. Mm -hmm. Realizing that that time takes away from the photography, which is what my account is thriving on. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's just like anything else. If it's your job that you're living based on, you can't exactly pull it back entirely. So I'm doing mm -hmm. a little bit at a time. Eventually, I may, depending, make a separate account for pixel art if I yeah. start making enough that people can come to me for that specifically. Mm -hmm. 
And I like the idea of, of, you know, sprinkling things in every once in a while, because then you don't have to think of like some uber strategic thing. You can just be like, hey, if you're interested, go check this out. Yeah. And I tend to get regularly scheduled macro photography. I tend to get pretty good feedback when I do that occasionally. Mm -hmm. It's just that I have to keep up the main thing. And then every once in a while, surprise you with something new. Yeah. And not make it jarring. And then slowly, people are going to be like, ah, he also does this. So when I eventually make a pixel art account or do some sort of thing where I'm working on a cool little indie game or something, it won't be surprising. Yeah. It will be a natural extension of what people already know about me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to talk about College Info Geek and my slow move away from it. Because that oh, yeah, was yeah. you've thing. been you've been having to step away from that concept. Yeah, and I remember um, it it has gone better than I imagined that it ever would. In 2012, before I started the College of Pokey podcast, before I started my YouTube channel, just the blog, I was in New York City going to a conference called Blog World, and a friend of mine was talking to me. We we're walking down the street in New York City, and he's like, "Hey, when are you going to move away?" from college info geek because you graduate college next year and in his mind and i agreed with this at the time i was like yeah i was scared about it in his mind the moment i graduated from college i would age out of the subject i had picked and i would become just another you know adult who's going to listen to an adult my, my blog was a student talking to other students yeah and it's, it's funny like i learned especially through YouTube, that is not the case um, because all of my videos were like, you know, how to take notes, the five best systems, dash College Info Geek in the title. And at first, my channel, I think it was always called Thomas Frank because I've had my YouTube channel since 2006, but the banner at the top was College Info Geek, you know, new study videos every week. And nobody ever freaked out about the fact that I wasn't a student you know, and, and I didn't like, I didn't intro my videos being like, hey guys, my name's Thomas Frank. I'm not a student, but here's how to, yeah. you know, I would just go right into the content. And a lot of people would just assume I was a student, you know? And I think it's kind of like gotten away from that now because I look older and I'm going to continue to look older. That's probably true. <laughs> I, I think I look more like a teacher now than a, than a student. Um, even though my, my hairline was more aged in my older videos. <laughs> Um, but over time, like, all right, as I got to 25, 26, especially 27, I think 27 was the big one where I was like, I am no longer in my mid twenties. This is my late twenties and the next stage is 30. So do I want to be operating under the name college info geek forever? And I think you and I had had a conversation, um, probably, you know what? We had a conversation before episode 200 of this podcast. Because we were considering ending at 200. Yeah. And the justification for that or the thing that brought it up was, do we still want to be running the College Info Geek podcast when we are 30? And it's hard no. Like, there wasn't even a thought. Like, no. No. Absolutely not. I mean, eventually, you keep imagining five years, five years in the future. Eventually, it stops. So when? Yeah. We should choose. And if you don't choose, you have to let it fizzle out, which mm -hmm. is, you know, bowing out is way better. You know, and th this is especially due to the fact that I don't think that college is a necessity for everyone. 
I am not passionate about FAFSA forms or about college admission rates. I'm not passionate about whether you should go to Harvard or Yale or Stanford or, uh, you know, if a state school is better than a private school. Like, I know things about that. I'll talk about it every once in a while, but I'm much more interested in how do we focus? How do we learn independently? How do we build relationships? How can we deliberately practice more efficiently so I can build my guitar scale skills? Like, I'm much more interested in that kind of stuff. So I don't always want to be operating under this college banner. However, I also don't want to quit College Info Geek. I don't want to leave it in its current state because I think it as an entity has a lot more good that it could do in the world. We have very little content on the site about law school, about grad school, about admissions, about choosing whether or not you should even go, um, about financial aid. There's a lot that could be done. I would like College Info Geek to be the ultimate resource for people who are thinking about going to college, for people who want to study better in general, like, I want that to continue to, to exist. But I can't pour my heart and soul into it forever. So I started making small departures several years ago. The first one was dropping the Dash College and Geek out of the titles of my videos. And I remember there was, there was actually a few people who complained about it. They were like, why'd you, why'd you drop the, the Dash thing? Which is, it's kind of funny because I feel like YouTube as a whole has moved away from that. But when I started, it was like, um, you know, Banjo... Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, Dash, JonTron. That was like what people in that area of YouTube just did. They would always put like Dash, their channel name or their their name at the end of every title. And I was into watching JonTron and Cat Icarus and all those people. So that's what I did because I tend yeah. to emulate a lot of what I like. Um, so I dropped that. And I didn't go to Dash Thomas Frank. I just started using titles. I remember being very scared that that was going to tank my views of course it hasn't i also remember being very scared that not having text in my thumbnails was going to take my views turns out i was wrong about that you know it's funny like you you get into doing a, a thing a certain way for long enough and it works for you and you get to a point where you're very secure in it and you feel like any deviation from the way that you're doing it is going to just destroy your life which is hilariously wrong in most cases yeah you know and you kind of get like the the very fact that you've been doing it for a very long time clouds your ability to think rationally about it. Like if I thought about it for two seconds, I'm like, hmm, what really draws people, like what really draws the eye in an advertisement? It's not the text most times. It's a face or it's some very interesting thing. And it turns out that there's text beneath the thumbnail because there's always a title. So like, do I really need text in the thumbnail? No. You know, and and if anything, like people like Matt Diavella or Peter McKinnon are perfect proof that uh, you don't need text and thumbnails. You just need something eye catching. Anyway, so I dropped that. I eventually dropped the College Info Geek banner off the channel. Um, I used to do a outro thing where I had the logo and it would be like, and the big thing was I used to write a companion article for every video. So here's my flashcards video go read the companion article. And I would call that out every time. Go check out the companion article. I stopped doing that too. Now we, we still write companion articles a lot of times, but I'll commission them from Ransom or other writers and we will let them sort of stand on their own and gain uh, views through Google search, but I don't call it on my videos. And the last bastion of a link between my YouTube channel and College Info Geek was my free book. 
the 10 steps to earning awesome grades. Yeah. Every video up until probably like the last couple of months ago, I would say, go right here to get my free book on how to earn better grades. So there was always a link to College Info Geek there. I have recently stopped doing that and I've started pointing out my music channel instead. This is very slow, gradual transition away and I use data to see how it's going. No, nobody's nobody's like, you know, leaving in droves because I'm no longer talking about multiple choice tests. Yeah. So I'm able to talk to thing to talk about things that are more true to what I'm currently interested in, what I think is impactful. I don't have to remain beholden to this past image of myself because I've slowly started transitioning away, doing it strategically. Yeah, and that's hard enough to deal with anyway, giving up your past self. But mm -hmm. this is really a perfect example of just how to do it because it was 100% education, 10% moving toward other productivity. And then, yeah, it's like uh, it's like your life of career in this case is a line with a whole bunch of different colors on it. And there's always a gradient intersecting where the two colors split. Yeah. So you move toward, now you're at 50% productivity, 50% college. Mm -hmm. Now you're 90% productivity and you still got the book call out. And now you're going to put 10% music. You're going to call out the music channel. And every line needs to have a gradient or else it's just, it's jarring. Like you said earlier, it doesn't make sense. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You have to have a, a smooth transition, I think. And if, if you look at anybody's career trajectory, I think you're going to see these points if you really were to go in and ask them. Yeah. You know, like th there are a lot of uh, people who used to be actors who are now directors. And if you go into uh, their IMDb or if you were to ask them if you had the ability, you'd probably hear that, yeah, you know, I started transitioning to little directing roles but still acted. But now, you know, eventually you get to the point where you can just keep doing it. Or there's a guy named uh, Armando. I believe his last name is pronounced Feria. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm bad at pronunciation, but uh, his channel used to be Mondo Bytes, and it was all just about like consumer tech. Now his channel is all about filmmaking and camera stuff. But like there was a transition period. You know, you can't just be like overnight. Sorry guys, I don't care about MacBook Pros anymore. I don't care about iPhones. I only care about red cameras. Because yeah. then you're gonna alienate people. Yeah, yeah, and you won't you won't have the chance to make the networking that you need because if if we're mm -hmm. talking about regular jobs and not like online stuff, you've still got to make the connections. You may have to. I, actually, here's a big thing that I think would be hard for people not doing YouTube related things. You might need to. I mean, you. It'd be a good idea to do this anyway. Live below your means. Oh yeah, for a while because uh, even if you're really successful. And maybe you make a hundred grand a year, and you're doing you're doing just fine wherever you're living. You're in the Midwest. You're rich there. But then you want to switch to this different career. But it turns out that that entire field that you're interested in will never pay you that much in the Midwest. What mm. then? If you're not living, if you're living like at your means, you simply don't have an option. The only yeah. way to switch jobs, knowing the peak of the the next career is you not paying your bills, that can't work. So. You might also, if you're going to be moving into something that won't pay as well or won't pay for a while, start cutting all of those kind of expenses ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Or be willing to accept a reduction in your standard of living. Yeah. You're going to, like, yep. don't don't live in a mansion where you got to pay. Mm -hmm. I mean, tons of celebrities sell their mansions after a while, probably realizing, you know, I have a lot of money, but all the property taxes and the upkeep and the lawn care and yeah, this is really kind of 
kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. There's a great essay over on Derek Sivers' website. Uh, it's about financial independence, and he was talking about how, how a friend asked him, you know, um, can you tell me about when you became truly financially free? And Derek Sivers is the guy who founded CD Baby and sold it oh, yeah, yeah. for millions of dollars. So this friend's question was really, you know, asking about selling CD Baby and having millions of dollars and being able to do whatever you want. Um, but, but the story Derek told him was, you know, I eventually saved up enough money that I could be a full-time musician in New York City. And this was before CD Baby. Uh, as long as I ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and took the subway every day. But uh, ever since then, I've been financially free. And that was where he ended the story. Because that was his version of financial freedom. I am able to pursue music every day with all of my time. And the way in which I do that is by living with roommates in a cracker box, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Chef Boyardee. Yeah. You know, making the sacrifices necessary to do this thing I want to do. So I no longer have to sit in a cubicle. A lot of people, they never make the true transition they want to make because they're unable to give up the trappings of their comfortable life. Yeah, I feel like that's, it's really tricky how that happens. It's almost, if there was some like magical karma force trying to trick people who start to make too much money and let it go to their head and then they spend it all, Mm -hmm. then you're trapped. You've got like revolving credit card debt or something that you've done and now you're not free because you just, you let it go to your head once or didn't think about it or some sort of catastrophe happened. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I think the same thing applies as well to time. I mean, if you're not willing to give up playing video games every evening or you may have to accept my house you know what it's not going to be clean every day and i just need to accept that deep in my soul (laughs) or else i will spend too much time worrying about it Mm -hmm. and never get to put that time toward the next thing there's got to be some sort of cut yeah it may it may be painful to cut whatever that is but i think there, there could also be some uh you know mental shifts that you could make like For whatever reason, in this country, in the United States of America, there's a weird stigma against having people clean your house or mow your lawn for you. Like, people think it's bougie. Like, oh, you have somebody to clean your house. But, but like, people who would say that, they go out and, like, buy a bunch of random crap and spend the exact same amount of money every month. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've heard from uh, people who've, like, gone and lived in other countries, like, Having somebody clean your house is super common. Having somebody take care of your lawn or garden is super common. It's just a thing, you know? They didn't even think about it. So I'm like, yeah, I paid 200 bucks a month for someone to come clean my house because my time is is better put towards this other thing I want to do. And I'm I either have the money or I'm willing to cut back on other things. Like, I'm not going to spend... $25 or $50 on having like 15 different streaming services so I can watch whatever I want. Let me put that towards having somebody come clean my house. They have a job now. They get to run their business and yeah. I have time. So you may have to cut like some of those mm-hmm. preconceived notions of how things are supposed to be and what you're supposed yeah. to be doing. I think it, our culture is so weird in that one way. Like what? there's a complete blanket acceptance of rampant consumerism of spending every dollar you have on <laughs> consumer products. Like, yeah, it's totally cool that you got the brand new iPhone, even though you have the new, you bought the iPhone, the last gen one as well. It's totally cool that you just bought the, the new Apple TV and a brand new TV. And like, yeah, you spent the exact same amount of money that you'd spend 
having somebody mow your lawn, but that's totally cool. Like you're pay, upgrade, paying for time is weird uh, for some you, reason. You have someone clean your house? What are you, some kind of like lazy rich person? Yeah. Paying, it's like the same amount of money. Paying for things is cool. Paying for time frowned upon. Yeah. Which which is just, you need that time, so you'd better stop frowning upon it. What a weird culture where we glorify constant work and material acquisition as, as desirable, but we look at, um, we look at offloading domestic work as, I don't know, as like something like to detest. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not attainable for everybody, but if you it's get to not. that point, then it's a good idea at some point. Yeah. There's a line where it's more strategic to do that. And of course, there's going to be the subtype people out there who are not okay with either one. You shouldn't be buying consumer goods and you shouldn't be, you know, you're too lazy. If you but, have the time. You know, pe- people with that view, you're not going to convince them either way. But the one that I have never understood is the people who are, they don't even give a second thought to buying all the latest new toys. But the moment someone's like, yeah, I pay someone to clean my house. Like, are you so lazy that you're not even willing to clean your own house or do your own laundry? That's just laziness talking. I've seen this in the comments before. And you know what? It's not laziness. It is prioritization. If I were a truly lazy person, would I be doing all of this work that I actually care about? Yeah. No, I would be actually being lazy. I'd be playing Call of Duty right now instead like, of putting out a podcast on a schedule with you. Yeah, sure. It, it might count as lazy if you like you're some silver spoon person with like a billion dollars in the bank and you just pay everybody to do it so you can sit around. That that might be lazy, if but I were clearly a you're working or something. Yeah, you know? you're you're working on things though. Mm-hmm. So it's just and at some point the amount of time you would put toward that when you profit more. What if you wanted to give some of that profit to charity? Then you're mm-hmm. hurting those charities by cleaning that laundry yourself when yeah. you could have been making the money that could help somebody and helping get somebody have a job. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. this. I mean, this is a big thing. Like whenever I talk about a concept and I use myself in a, as an example and, I, and my example involves something that is inaccessible to somebody in the audience – my example is the thing that is inaccessible. The principle is not. And a lot of people have an inability to separate those two things. Some people will be like, the example you gave is the principle. Therefore, the principle is invalid because I can't do it. I can't afford that. Therefore, what, what you've talked well, about in principle is invalid. And that's not true at all. Like, there are other examples, you know? Are you, like, out with a washboard washing your clothes in the river because you don't want to pay, like, 25 cents for a laundromat? No. Well, and Almost nobody does that. Pretty accessible, really. I mean, we were having people mow the lawn way back, right after college, because if you get the right people, it's it was, cheap. It you just pay twenty five dollars every two there's, weeks. There's some teenager out there, or a college student who wants to do it, and it's cheap. And like mm-hmm. we, when I was we in college, my friends went out to the bars and spent more than that every weekend. They had the money. Now maybe they weren't paying off their student loans as fast as they could have, but they had the money. And if you have fifty bucks to go out on a Saturday night and blow it at the bars, then you have thirty bucks or twenty-five bucks to pay a college kid to mow your lawn if you don't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, sure, you it's maybe you can't you afford value, a full you know? landscape architect crew to come and like. Yeah, I don't want that. Build you want, a beautiful garden. I just want some of that. The but that's lawnmower. you know you're gonna have to cut that standard. <laughs> it's just basically finding any area where you can cut just a little bit of that time mm-hmm. at, at a profit if you're gonna pay too much for that and it's going to cost you like four hours of work versus an hour of mowing lawn sure maybe that doesn't make sense but at some point you got to find wherever you can scrape all that time and then Uh use that time or at least a decent chunk of it at least like a half hour or something to slowly make your way into things 
Yeah. You know what I did last night? I ran scales on my guitar for an hour. You know what I didn't do last night? Dust. And I have no regrets. Yeah. Well, and I, everything's going to take so long. Like, I'm just starting to have the faintest glimpses of connections with people who do things I think are cool that mm -hmm. I would love to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to take a while, so I got to yeah. start now. It's It's just... And the money thing is big, but everybody should try to live below their means, I think. That's just mm -hmm. that's just a good idea so that you're not – at least in America, so that you don't have a medical emergency and find yeah. yourself – It took me so long to recover from the surgery for my finger. Mm -hmm. That was no good. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about financial bases. Uh, we have a whole budgeting episode, an investing episode, um, and we'll try to get those in the like, show notes. I think those are like when we're talking about this idea of sacrificing money to gain time, it's always within the greater context of making sure you have a solid financial base. Yeah. You know, I would never say if you want to transition to music, you know, go spend your emergency funds on the guitar you need because no, that's ridiculous. No, that you, you need to be able to take a punch. If some, if life punches you in the face that your first priority is gaining the means to recover from a punch from life. But yeah, once you can do that, that is... then you can start making sacrifices. Maybe you are sacrificing some of your money that you're making to gain time. Maybe you're sacrificing uh, the other way around, like Derek Sivers did. Maybe you're just like, I'm just going to like live in a crappy apartment and eat PB&J every day because that's what it takes to get free, you know? Yeah. But no. I think like the general idea here is if you want to transition into something that you're not currently in, one thing you're going to have to do is potentially challenge your preconceived notions of what is like right uh, of, of how society may judge you. You may have to live unconventionally. You may have to deal with some people giving you sideways glances like, oh, may have to live in a van down by the river. You maybe have to live by it down by the river. You know, that's fine. If you want to be a motivational like, speaker, all the productivity tips, all the financial tips, all of this is, should just be funneled toward having that little bit of time that you can put towards something else because that's something else you're going to have to start basically on the ground floor unless you lucked into some really good connections. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to do a lot of, I mean, every bit of pixel art and everything I do there, that's all free. I'm not going to ever expect any money for anything like that. For yeah. Maybe someday I'll get I'll be on an actual game dev thing doing something and get paid for it in like years and years from now. <laughs> but Starting on the ground floor is expensive, so you got to save the money and time somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, and speaking of relationships, last thing I wanted to mention here is something that I've mentioned many times in this podcast, the idea of the, the fan-first approach. Yeah. Um, I have spent many hours, many days, many weeks hesitating to make first contact with somebody because I feel like I'm not ready. Uh, I just need to get one more cool video off my channel before I reach out. Otherwise, they're going to think I'm lame. I've done that a few times. But the thing is, like, we, we've talked about the principles of influence, and one of them is liking. And people like people who they are familiar with. Um, if you want to make a connection with somebody, I think the first way to do it is just to be a fan. Comment on their videos if they're a YouTuber. Share their things. Share their work. Be a fan, you know? And don't be like a like a stalker fan. You know, like, I want your autograph or something like that. But just be supportive. Be a supporter of their work. Yeah. And, and like, eventually like there sincerely. may be an opportunity to, to do something else. Yeah. There are countless people who I are, are now dear friends of mine where I just started as like a, a wide-eyed, you know, deer-in-the-headlights fan of theirs. 
Steve Kim from Nerd Fitness, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, Jenny Blake, all these people. I was looking up to them like God's the pantheon when I was a student. I didn't think I'd ever have the opportunity to actually talk to them, but I was like, I really like their work, so I'm going to share it. I'm going to comment on stuff. And eventually, there are opportunities. I went to Blog World, and Pat recognized me from comments on the blog, from Twitter, you know, just little tiny interactions that weren't really meant to be building towards anything. They were just, I was a fan. I'm going to express the fact that I like your work. Yeah. And then, you know, a, a interaction at a conference, a selfie together. And then years down the line, now we, we text each other quite often. You know, that, that's just how these things often happen, especially with the internet. We're all separated by so much distance and the people that we uh, want to make connections with, they often have a lot of people vying for their attention. So you can't force it unless you have career capital that makes it beneficial to them for you to force it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you can do that. Hey, I have a big podcast. Would you like to be a guest on it? That's a way where you can sort of use some of your career capital to accelerate things. And it doesn't mean that it's going to turn into a beautiful relationship. It may just be an interview and that may be it. You know, I interviewed yeah, and you have to be dozens okay with of that. people on my podcast, Unless the Money Matters. Most of them I don't talk to anymore. Most of them we just had a conversation. It was valuable for the audience and that was it. But some of them, uh, the most notable example is Matt Givanesi and Andrew Fiebert. I reached out to them. My initial reaction with them, first thing I ever did was I reached out and asked for them to be on my podcast as guests. Um, and I think the reason I had found their podcast is because I was writing an article like the best podcasts and I really wanted a, a personal finance one on there. But I personally wasn't a fan of Dave Ramsey, just, you know, not mm. like my style, not very entertaining for me to listen to. So I was looking for something else. I found their podcast. I liked it, put it on my list, reached out, had them on my show. And now I moved to Colorado because Matt lives out here. We go snowboarding all the time. Like Matt is one of my best friends. Andrew is one of my best friends. And that started because of, uh, you know, a professional thing. Now, as a professional thing kind of stemming from, I like your work, I want to talk to you, not, I think that you being on my podcast would be financially advantageous to me. Well, if you view yeah. it like that, there's a hard stop on how far that relationship can go. Mm -hmm. It could be like, okay, sure, that makes business sense. Now, I think when, Done. when um, Obama's Secretary of Education reached out to me way back in the day and wanted to be on my podcast, that was very much a... We, the government, feel that having Arnie Duncan on your podcast would be a financially with a, advantageous with a cap thing. on holding a skateboard. Uh, clearly, uh, uh, yeah. How, how do you do, fellow kids? You know, and that was a great conversation. But, but I do you, not you believe Arnie be Duncan friends. had any intention not, of becoming friends with me. They they wanted to take no. advantage of my platform and my uh, you know better connection with students because of my age. Yeah, which is fine if that's you both fine. understand that to be the case. I don't think that's evil or cynical. That's totally fine. But if I want to build relationships with people that are organic and that are built on like friendship and trust, that's not how I'm going to uh, go into my initial interactions with people. Yeah. It's and going to be fan first. The relationships you end up building are going to be almost as important, if not as important, as to the work that you end up doing. Because mm -hmm. you just, you have to be able to get your foot in there somehow. Yeah, Exactly. So all of that's a slow burn. I'm really interested in like the the line with the gradient thing. Like I, I think you could do that for most things. Just mm -hmm. all of the phases of your life. Like how many different how many different colors of gradient would I write out? I'm not sure. And you know what? It's not even like I think it's or even maybe more, or maybe circles that overlap over each other. I think it's even more complicated than just a gradient, because when I think back to like small projects I've done just for fun, they often 
apply. Oh, they'll they'll come back. They'll come back around, right? They'll come back later at some point. Like I had that video editing job uh, at the virtual reality center in 2012, I think, the summer we all lived together. Uh, and they taught me how to edit with Final Cut 7. Uh, it was definitely 7 because it had multiple layers, didn't have that magnetic timeline thing. They taught me how to do a three-point lighting setup for an interview. They taught me how to go around and film B-roll. But I had no intention of doing video at the time. None at all. Hadn't even started the podcast. I was a writer. I was I was so enamored with the idea of traveling the world like Steve Cam or like Nomadic Matt and being a yeah. blogger. And that was all I wanted to do. I did the video thing because it was a summer job and it, it seemed kind of interesting at the time. But now, or when I got into video in 2014, I was like, hey, I've never really used Premiere Pro anymore, but this kind of seems like Final Cut 7. Like here's the layers, here's the tracks. I cut footage up. Huh kind of comes back yeah so i guess when you get that free time and you can you can mm -hmm. invest it in random things whenever you have an opportunity to do something really cool or unique you should just take it basically mm -hmm. because you have no idea when that stuff's going to pay off so, so many random skills from our past have connected back to things we do now yeah couldn't have possibly predicted that so you know what i think you should do what you should do a game jam uh is that like a like for toast it's for toast. Like I'm. Well, a, you could. I mean, there literally is a, a game where you play as a piece of toast. Okay. I, I think it's called Bread Simulator. <laughs> I would not be surprised if that All was right. made in a game jam. Yeah. No, a game jam <laughs> is like a startup weekend. It's usually like a 48-hour event where you show up, you like pair up in teams. You're like, hey, let's make a game, and then you like just do as much as you can in two days. Ah, see, that'd be cool. You know, that'd be cool. I'm, I'm hoping to make like a little arcade style. Like, I don't think I'm going to make a full indie game or anything this year, but I want to make something that's a little, just like an arcade game. doesn't need a story. Yeah. doesn't need anything, but you can press buttons and stuff that kind of makes sense happens. Mm -hmm. If I get that done this year, I'm going to feel great about it. You could make that at a game jam. Did you know that Hollow Knight started as a game jam project? The little character that you play as. That. He was the character in a game jam you know? project that they did in two days. And then later on, they were like, hey, let's grab him and make it in two days. Literally the best metroidvania game ever made yeah well see all beginnings it's, it's really cool because you have no idea where those things are going to pay off and i think i don't know why celeste started this way i don't remember the history of it but celeste had the pico 8 game first a little basically an arcade game with similar thing and then it was like actually this is a really good idea mm -hmm. and then it became well if you look back into um, like it's possibly matt my thorson. favorite indie game of all time yeah if you look back into matt thorson's history like you go back to his uh their very early games um, they're very much like the Pico 8 version of Celeste. Very simple platformers. Yeah. That's all this, this gradual progression and you get to Towerfall, which is amazing, and then you get to Celeste, which is just easily the best thing that they've ever made. I just want to work on stuff now. <laughs> well, let's recap then. So, for transitioning to something new, you need to be willing to make sacrifices in your free time because you need to dedicate time to the new thing you want to do. You may need to make sacrifices in the lifestyle you're living in order to save money. And the faster you want to make the transition, the more sacrifices you're going to have to make. Um, you may need to challenge your preconceived notions of what is like okay in terms of, and I get the example here is like, you know, paying someone to clean your house to gain time. That's fine. Yeah. And I think, I think another one, if you could save up a little extra for would be if there's an event like a cool event where you might meet people, mm -hmm. like a convention or anything like that, saving up to travel and go to something like that if possible. Yeah, that might take absolutely. longer to save up for, but it's very worth it though. 
And that's a great way to get exposure and to be able to talk with people who are in the new industry you want to be in. Yeah. You know, uh, if I really, really, really wanted to transition to music faster, I would be going to more shows. Yeah, you just that's it speeds up the networking at a cost. So if you can cut your your um, standard of living a little bit, mm-hmm. so you can save up for those, that could be an accelerator. Mm-hmm. Um, with building relationships, fan first is great, but also you know find ways to utilize your current standing, whether it's having the money to travel to conferences or having a platform and using that to interview people. Uh, and it could be the smallest of platforms. Hey, I write for the school paper. You know, go watch Catch Me If You Can. That's how he interviews the people who run Pan Am to figure out what their badges look like. He poses as a school reporter, you know, and they're, they're more than happy to tell him everything he wants to know. Yeah. So you don't have to have a big old blog or anything. You can just be like, hey, I write for the school paper. Yeah. But, you know, find, find ways to build relationships, to get information, um, and find ways to like get mini apprenticeships. Whether it's going to a game jam and being on a team with somebody who might have a bit more experience than you, or uh, this is a big one. When our friend Carly wanted to open a coffee shop, you know, the first thing I was like, well, you should probably go get a job at a coffee shop and try to work your way up to a manager so you can be in it and and see all the things that goes into running a coffee shop without having to save up without many thousands of dollars yeah. or take out a loan to get a building, you know, like you would probably want to get some experience in the running of that business before you plunge in feet first. That's again, gaining career capital. And the big thing, try to find ways where your current thing intersects with the thing you want to transition into and find ways to strategically use those. In my case, using my study playlist as a way to start building a little bit of a base for my own music. Yeah, whatever way you can find to like maximize the value of your current resources Mm -hmm. to make them useful. Maybe there aren't a lot of overlaps, but I bet if you're creative, a lot of things will have some overlap. Yeah, so I have a question for the audience, and um, I'm I'm going to say put your answers in the YouTube version of this because I think our YouTube comment section is actually the best area of discussion oh, yeah, for a podcast. Podcasts are otherwise pretty hard to. There's not yeah I mean it, you could always send it on Twitter but I think the YouTube comments for this episode are probably going to be the best place to spur real discussion. But I'm curious like do you have an example that comes to mind of somebody who has made a very successful <clears throat> transition from one area to something else that was completely different? I, I would be curious to know. And if you know how they did it, even better. You know, it doesn't have to be somebody famous. It could be your dad or your mom or, you know, anybody. But I, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh, episode 287. So if you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go over to CIGpodcast.com slash 287 or just go to CIGpodcast.com to figure out how to subscribe. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Pocket Casts. We're on Overcast. Something else with casts in it, Probably. Probably. I don't know. I don't. Anything, I don't know anything else. I don't know. Addicting? No, not addicting podcast. Podcast addict. I think that's an app. That sounds familiar. It's like a free Android app, but I think Android now just has Google Podcasts. So just use that. Oh, Stitcher. Stitcher's one, and we're on YouTube, uh, and all those are accessible once again via cigpodcast.com. You can also go over to collegeinfogeek.com to see. Lots of other cool tips and articles about how to be a better student or go to go over to youtube.com slash Thomas Frank to check out my regular videos or go to thomas.lol to check out what I'm doing with music. Might as well use this platform to maybe get one or two more listeners. Yeah. I currently have two tracks out now. They are study music tracks, but I have a third one in the works 
and I'm very excited to release it. I'm going to try to do like a bigger release for this one. Uh, and I have some other strategies up my sleeve for enabling that transition to be more organic and successful. If you enjoy this podcast, you can always give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts because we do have a rating and review area there. And um, that's it. Maybe share it with a friend. Maybe like leave your phone out in the middle of a park playing our episodes so everyone around can realize how dope they are. And then they'll be like, what is that? How do I subscribe to that? Is that a podcast? What's a podcast? And you can educate them. Yep. And that would be awesome. But as always, thank you so much for just hanging out with us. And we will see you in the next episode. Stay cute.